So I'm sure that y'all have heard us talk about how important health is to us as a couple. Uh, If you haven't heard our podcast on this, go listen to episode 40 of the Rise Together podcast. We get into how we got healthy as a couple and why it matters so much. But one of the questions we get quite a bit is from you guys who are on a health journey, who are trying to change something or trying to do whatever that looks like for you. Maybe it's uh, you want to work out more. You're trying to get physically strong. Maybe it's changing up your nutrition patterns. Maybe it's giving up drinking. Maybe it's you know trying to get more sleep, whatever that is. And you have a partner who, for a myriad of different reasons, is not into you doing that. I keep going back to not on your level because in real time, this may be the most on each other's level we've ever been. Agreed. Right? Agreed. Especially when it comes to health. I am feeling like a motivation for making the eating choices and the working out that I've probably never felt in my entire life. I agree. I'm totally honest. And part of that is momentum. Part of it is, I mean, I was wearing a shirt yesterday and you were just like handsy. I was attracted to you in that shirt. I mean, I'm like, I always think you're handsome, but I'm just remembering it right now and I'm getting flustered. Do not bring that up on this (laughs) podcast, but I am here for it. It's because the shirt was tight and your arms are spectacular and your stomach is flat. And I am like, who is that hottie? And then I remember that he's my husband. You're a gentle lady and I appreciate you for saying those (laughs) nice things. The bottom line is there... Definitely were plenty of times where I was not on your level or vice versa as it pertained to all of the things that you're talking about here and diving in a little bit to what those archetypes are and how, if you can identify them, you might be able to address a little bit of getting around it. Uh, Hopefully helps you as a couple chase getting on that same level so you can have good health together. I'm Rachel Hollis. And I'm Dave Hollis. And we're married. For like 15 years. And we have four kids. That's like a thousand kids. We've been foster parents to four kids as well. And we're running a business together. That's a lot of things. It is a lot of things. But we know that it's possible to have an exceptional relationship regardless of the stresses you have in your life. So if you want some tips and tricks on how we get through all the things, this is Rise Together. up with four archetypes, like four kinds of partners who affect your health journey in different ways for different reasons. This is not based on any actual research. This is our own life. And we made up these names. (laughs) Super professional. As you will discover, because they're not all that clever. But the first type of partner who sabotages your health journey is what we call and this is this is our most common one in our own relationship we called this the cosigner the cosigner meaning you are on a health journey let's say you're like you're trying to eat better and you have a partner who it's not malicious it's not it's just like They miss that fun. They miss Taco Tuesday. They miss margarita time. And so they'll, because they want like someone to do what they're doing, they'll try and instigate you 
or get you to like co-sign. We're, we're talking to a, a, a couple friend of ours and her husband's like super fit and really into all the things, health, fitness, what he's eating. And she's the queen of being like, don't you want a cookie though? Like, yeah. Have a cookie with me. We've done this 9 million times. Well, I mean, the reality is each of us, as much as we're a couple, are experiencing life differently. Like you are having an experience today that is different than me. The pressures of your day, the things that give you anxiety or don't, the way that you're feeling happy or not happy. Your cycle, frankly, sometimes can change. <laughs> That's true. Right? But that, That's very so true. The, the, the things I can think of just in the last year, in a year where you traveled more than any human on earth, there were times when you'd come back from traveling and I'd, you know, like been feeling good about being consistent without my accountability partner even being in town. And then it was like, well, we got to get some queso up in this piece, <laughs> yeah. you know, because you'd come off of this emotional and physically draining trip and a reward out of it was this thing. Now, guess what? I had not experienced travel. I had not stood on a stage and, and emotionally given myself to this audience but man, was I ready for some cheese and chips. Yeah. And so then I'm speaking into sort of your, like the chink in your armor. Like you're already being really good and you already are kind of like, oh, it'd be great to go have a fun like Mexican food dinner, but I'm being so good. And then I, I co-sign for you. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, well, let's just go do this thing. I think that what you said to start it off, like is such a wise thing of your partner is on a journey that you are not on. Yeah. And so often in relationships, we tend to think that we're like, oh, we're both here. So we're both in the same place. But of course, there are days that I'm stressed out that you aren't. There are days that I'm PMSing that you definitely are not. And I will want certain, I will want to make certain choices that you maybe wouldn't choose. But then I try and like get you to go along for the ride. Because for me, most often it's that I grew up and like years ago I was watching the Oprah show and Bob Green, you know, who's like her fitness guy forever. You probably don't know. I do not know okay, Bob well, Green. Bob Green was like Oprah's fitness guy and like best friend and he like she's a godmother of his child, whatever. I know way too much about Oprah's <laughs> life. But um, he helped her on this fitness journey and there was one time he's on the show and I remember they asked people in the audience, what is food to you? Like food is dot, dot, dot. And at the time, I thought it was so interesting because when I asked myself that question, the answer was food is fun. That is what was in my head. I grew up in a really tumultuous childhood and the one like joy in our lives was like dinner, family parties, a birthday party. It was like the one time everyone was happy and not fighting and it always were Southern. It always wrapped around food. So for me, food is fun. So if I want to, you know, like I just had a stressful week, I would want to go have happy hour. I would want to go have queso. And if you are not doing it too, I know this isn't true now, but I used to believe that if you weren't doing it too, if I couldn't get you to do it, then now we're not having fun together and our lives are never going to be fun. By the way, I mean, like I'm rolling in a month three of not having a drink yeah. and I'm feeling super healthy. And mm -hmm. it was a choice about like staying really focused in what is for our company, just the most important time. We got these two big conferences coming up and I am here for it. I wanted to like really just get into great shape. And there was a part of that decision that at the beginning I thought needed you to also 
give up alcohol mm-hmm. so that I wouldn't, one, feel bad for what I thought was a rug pull of me pulling our fun out of our relationship in the pursuit of just making a healthy choice for myself. We just came back this last week from having been in Ireland. Like drinking capital of the world. <laughs> drinking capital of the world. And I think going in, there was a little part of me that was like, how in the world? Are we going to have fun? Are we going to have fun? How are we going to go and do this adventure in this place where Guinness and, and Jameson whiskey. and everything else yeah. like just like it flows? And we had the best vacation. I mean, we that was the best so vacation we've ever had in our lives. I agree. You were able to have a glass of champagne yeah. with dinner. And God bless them. They now have a non-alcoholic oh, yeah, champagne, a non-alcoholic beer, wine. a non-alcoholic wine. I was a part of the fun of Everything. celebrating our 15 years of being married and didn't have uh, alcohol. I, yeah. I didn't have alcohol, but I didn't miss it and it didn't compromise the kind of fun we could have. There was this mentality that it would and the great thing about this trip or any you know the, the experience of having fun without food is once you Train yourself to actually appreciate that that is not a thing that is a linchpin in your enjoying your time together as a couple. You're free from it. Yeah. And the thing is, it's really important to get this piece because I feel like if you're listening to this episode, you're probably looking for the one that's like like your partner or maybe like yourself. The only way that you can get out from under these archetypes and change the behavior is to stand firm in the plan. Like if you are in relationship with someone who's a co-signer, the only thing that you're going to be able to do is like stand firm in the, like we wouldn't have known. This sounds so dumb now, but no way do Rach and Dave from three years ago think that they could go to Ireland and have an incredible time where one of them is not drinking and the other one is having an occasional glass of champagne. At all. At all. At all. And not only that, the years that we've now lived in healthy eating, we never would have thought that we could go anywhere or have a date night and not eat a chili cheeseburger and potato skins because food and alcohol for us were fun. It was the good The wagon times. wheel sampler existed the on Black this Angus. planet because Does of Black it being Angus the, still exist, do you think? It it has to because Ugh. they have wagon wheel samplers. Yeah. But the headline is Give me that fried zucchini though. That dish was like a bell, Pavlov's dog yeah. kind of thing that like, oh, you accomplished this thing at work, wagon wheel sampler. Yep. You did something that is worthy of a, you know, a celebration, wagon wheel sampler. And so like the associ- the association ends up then kind of convincing you that the only way that you do celebrate or the only way that you can fully appreciate that celebration is if you indulge in this way that just deviates from whatever you might be hoping for in health. And so I think if you do have a co-signer in your life, then it's not getting mad at them. It's not getting frustrated. It's you as a person are going to have to be strong enough to just say no, to just stand firm in what your plan is, and also... To commit to like, no, let's go, babe. Like, let's go have date night. Let's go do the, let's go. Because with us, I remember those first couple of date nights when you weren't drinking, like felt kind of anxious because it was like, this is not, you know. We're testing the waters yeah. of our ability to have fun without this thing that had been a constant since we met. Yeah. 
And now it's just like, oh, no, we're just we're enjoying each other's company. We're laughing over other stuff. We, you really don't need those things, but you don't know you don't need them until you go without them for long enough. Word. So that's if you have a cosigner in your life. If you are a cosigner, listen to me. If you are the one, you need to own this right now. If you are the one who your partner is trying to get healthy in whatever way. They're going to therapy, they're working out, they're trying to eat better, they're trying to stop drinking, they're trying to do whatever. And for whatever reasons that you can work through later, you are trying to pull them back to your side. You you really have to take ownership of that. You really like stop it. You just, I, I yeah. don't know what else to tell you. Be be mindful of what is really happening. If you love someone, you want the best for them. Even if their best scares you a little bit. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. And the headline too is the things that you're most afraid of are not real. Yeah. I, I mean, I really don't think that I, I think there's like this weird insecurity that often is just like the worst case scenario that you can conjure in your head playing on something that happened earlier yeah. in your life. We're going to get to some of these other yeah, things. Yeah, so, as we, as so we these dive are the it. next two are based on that idea. Yeah. So the first one, which is, you know, we have the cosigner. That's someone you want it to be fun. You want to bring your partner along for the ride. The second is someone who subconsciously, emotionally sabotages you. Subconsciously? Subconsciously, emotionally sabotages. Yes. And we call this one... The scaredy cat. The scaredy cat. This is why we get paid the big bucks, everybody. And by <laughs> big bucks, I mean no bucks. Nobody pays us to name anything. <laughs> but it was the idea of, like what Dave was saying, someone is subconsciously afraid of you changing. They will do things or say things to kind of pull you back or keep you from changing or keep you from growing because they are made nervous by you doing something different. I mean, I go back to, we had this conversation in the midst of our 15 year trip. If the version of me that you met 15, 17, 18 years ago, met you in present time today. So like the, not in like the best physical shape, not as com comfortable and confident in who I really am. So meeting you, Dave Hollis, from 17 years ago meets me Rachel Hollis today today yeah it ain't going no nowhere. it ain't going nowhere no in part because and vice versa and, and vice versa yeah. in part though because I would have been one intimidated by your strength that you're such a strong woman I respect so much that part of you today but also I wasn't in a place where I had the habits or the discipline I hadn't done some of the work okay so if you're at the beginning of that journey, we're both 17 years ago versions of ourself, and you start to make changes on a path from that day 17 years ago to where we sit today, my brain starts to worry 
about whether the difference between me staying stuck at the 17-year-ago version of myself can keep up with, be attracted to, and more importantly, have you find me a person that you want to be in relationship with if I don't make those changes. So, so subconsciously, meaning you're not even thinking about it, what are ways that people subconsciously sabotage their partner when it comes to health? Putting them into situations where it's almost impossible to, to make a healthy choice, mm. right? Like w making plans where there isn't a healthy option, making plans with friends where every other person's going to be drinking if mm -hmm. they're in a position of not wanting to drink, making, making, like doing things that if you've seen them make some progress, create a likelihood of slowing or having them even take a step back so that they come back to your level. Yeah, and I think this one really manifests quite a bit uh, in terms of passive-aggressive comments. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, those things that people say under their breath or the way that they tease you or even how your partner may talk to other people in your community about you so that they kind of bring that on too. Like, oh, yeah, you know, Dave's too good for us now. He's like – so that you kind of – they're – they're passive aggressively talking about you to other people. So that then those people are kind of weighing in on this too. Um, there's so much wrapped up for people when it comes to health. It is super easy to fall off the wagon. It's super easy to give up on a health goal because there's so many things that are speaking in opposition. Like you have a year or five years or 30 years of habit instilled in you about the way to eat, drink, think, be, live your life. And so when someone comes along and starts kind of needling you for that, it makes it so easy to give up, which was the thing you were already kind of thinking of doing to begin with. Part of the reason why I think you're already maybe thinking a little bit about it is the wiring that happens in the formative years of our life with our family of origin telling us that this is the kind of person we are in the kind of through the lens of health right we're just not healthy people mm -hmm. we're just people that eat these things we're yeah. not people that exercise right like those stories that narrative informs a belief in a lot of us of what is actually possible in our health journey so if you're paired with somebody who also of course has those same influences and then starts to question whether they want to believe those things any longer to change a story for their own good, even if it's a departure from where they've come from, that's scary. Yeah. Especially if you, on an unconscious level, are not aware of your own ability to make that same choice. Well, and I think in this instance, we're talking about romantic relationships, but I do believe the scaredy cat happens a lot for family like familial oh, yeah. relationships. Like your sister is making comments. Your Mima is saying something at Thanksgiving. Your friends, we never see you anymore because you don't come to the bar. Like there's so many things that happen in our wider community wrapped up in this idea that they're afraid because you're changing. They're afraid that you're changing and so that they're going to do things or say things that try and pull you back. And what's insidious about this like they're it's insidious because they don't even realize what they're doing like what the re why they're saying those things well i think a lot of times when you're 
back at your mom's house for Thanksgiving with your siblings, when you're back in your college town with the friends who have come back, you revert to roles that you had back then. So birth order that existed 10 years ago comes back into play. The mean girl that you hung out with for God only knows what reason, she's still that person, even though you're now 32 and not 21. Yep. And her ability to influence you, your older sister's ability to bully you, those things emerge if you in any way have started playing a different character to the one that you used to play in that role that was familiar back then. Well, and think about this in terms of a romantic relationship. This is this is a powerful thought of the roles that we've played. When you get into high stress situations, you tend to revert. And like I think of having an argument and we have to both really consciously not revert to the way we've managed arguments two years ago, five years ago, yeah. um, you tend to be very defensive. I tend to shut down. We know Perfect. these things. <laughs> <laughs> we know these things. And so when we start to see those manifest in like a real you know, argument that we're having, you have to consciously fight against it. But just something to be mindful of because – if you're in the right kind of relationship, nobody knows you better than your partner, but then that's a dangerous thing because they also know the exact kind of buttons to push, the exact thing to say, the exact cookie to offer you, then kind of bring you back a, around. So if we this had, is we, you, By the way, we had something this morning. I thought it was it's, – it's interesting you say it because you said something to me about something here in the office. I got defensive about it, and I was trying to not be emotional – but 10 minutes went by, you came back into it, we left rooms, came back to it, the same room, and you were like, hey, this was not me coming at you. I just, yeah. like, we had a business problem that we have to jointly solve. And I explained, the reaction that you just saw is the reaction, and I named the four previous bosses that I had at the Walt Disney Company. Like, if I got critiqued, that was just the way that my reflex showed up to try and defend mm -hmm. defensiveness uh you know the, the 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 thing that wasn't working perfectly but man i was happy for and thankful for like only 10 minutes of time went by we yeah. addressed it and i thought man i wonder if there's a way to handle it better next time that example applies as much here in this conversation about health yeah. if you find yourself slipping back into a role that you previously played stop so if you are in relationship with someone who you think is subconsciously emotionally sabotaging you, I think the answer there is being hyper aware of it. It's kind of the same as the cosigner. Being aware, understanding that your partner is on a different journey than you are, and it is not, let everybody listen, let me say it loud for the people in the back, it is not your job to fix your partner. That's not your job. They're a grown-up person. They are on their own journey. It is your job to understand your why and have it be so strong enough. Like your health journey, there is a there's a deep why. Why do you need to change? Why does this matter? Why do you need more energy to keep up with the kids? Why do you need to change the way you eat? Why do you need to stop drinking? Why is this powerful? Ground yourself in that why so that when someone says something, it just, it rolls off your back. Do you know how often people in my family 
say snarky things to me about my health when I go home for the holidays or we go, you know, oh, you guys aren't going to have, you know, you're, we're just not going to eat, you know, cookies and pudding on Christmas. Like, no, I'm not. I don't eat that kind of food. And if I do now, it makes me sick to my stomach. But the thing is, in that moment, I don't defend myself. It's not my job to defend myself to Aunt Linda. That's not my job. My job is to know my why and to just, you know, like literally just like smile and move on with my life. I do think if because we're talking about unconscious sabotage here, this is about uh, if this ends up being something that you find in your relationship with your romantic partner, finding a way in, in, in and it's a delicate thing, but finding a way to explain how their attempts at sabotage are making you feel so that they become conscious of them would be an outcome I'd hope for. Right. Like if I was doing something that was un, like uh, unwittingly pulling Rachel back down, I'd hope that she could find a way to have a conversation with me that said, hey, this is my why. This is why this is important to me. This is what this journey is going to do for me and for our relationship. And also, whatever insecurity this plays on for you, this worry that I might grow into someone who doesn't love you, I love you. Like uh, somehow, like, because I think part of the, the subconsciousness of it and the insecurity of it, addressing that maybe helps make that person more aware of why they're sabotaging. And maybe... I just think if I did that to you, the king of defense, Yeah, no, if I, I had said that to you five years ago, you would like, you'd be like, oh, I'm not, I'm not, blah, blah, blah. Like, I, here's I just... the thing. I think I might have said it and probably said it exactly like that. <laughs> But I also think that, like, I might have been able to just build a little tiny brick of self-awareness on really in the privacy then of the aftermath of that conversation, acknowledging, yeah, you know what? I am being a little insecure. Yeah. I am being a little bit ridiculous. I probably should think differently about being supportive of you becoming your best self and what that might mean for our marriage or for our kids. Yeah. I'd probably still use that voice, though. Uh, the third archetype is the opposite of the scaredy cat. This is someone who consciously sabotages your health. So we talked about subconscious. They're not really thinking about it. This is someone who consciously sabotages someone else's personal growth journey in whatever format. We have a very technical name for this. We called this one the jerk. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the jerk. This is the jerk. Honestly, we don't have a great soulful piece of advice for you if you were in a romantic relationship with a jerk. Like, <laughs> you just shouldn't be. I'm sorry. Like, there's just no... I'm like the queen of wanting to talk people through a relationship and how you salvage one and how you work for it. But if you are truly with someone who is consciously trying to hurt you, trying to sabotage you, trying to like, like they're actually saying things to you. They're doing like, screw that. No, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think like that it for sure is like, why would you give weight to that? Like if you can identify that there isn't motivation outside of their own satisfaction in hurting you, 
then like why why let them determine whether you get to live a healthy life? Why yeah. let them determine whether you're going to make choices that are going to fuel you and give you the energy you need and want, give you the mindset mentality that you need? Yeah. I, I like that one. That one. I agree. It's like it, it's a little bit of a shorter conversation because when you find yourself with this person, hopefully it's easier to resist the temptation of giving in to their wants and wills because they're a jerk. Yeah, I think um you know with the last one it was like you go home for uh you know holidays or whatever and people are saying things kind of passive aggressively grumbling whatever, but I also know that there are people who have family members who are not passive aggressive. They're who aggressive. are just aggressive. They're just aggressive. And I p- people ask us all the time they're like, "Well, what do you do when the person who's being aggressive or the person who's saying mean things or whatever is family?" And I like I know there's so many people who say like family's everything, family's all that matters, like blood, but no way. No freaking way. You do not get to belittle me, you do not get to disrespect me, you do not get to bully me just because we share some genes. Like that's not I, I in fact, I don't know, I've really said this very publicly. I don't talk to 75% of my family like my aunts and uncles, and I have a whole extended family that I haven't seen in... Since our wedding. Since our wedding day. Since When they, they were aggressive awful, at our wedding. <laughs> awful, hateful people and stormed out of our wedding. Like, we've never... I Just, no, I grew up... As a little girl, I, we grew up in this family, and I, like, love and miss my grandpa every day. He was such a patriarch of, like, we always get together. We're all, every holiday, and everyone was, like, so mean and bitter to each other. And he was, like, it doesn't matter. Family's family. And so as a kid, I was exposed to this ideal. And I remember when we got married, it was the first time, like, literally, I was, like, we get to decide. This is our family. We are now a family of two, yeah. me and you. And I want these other people to be part of it, but we have rules of how you will interact with us, how you will be when you come to our house, the way that you're allowed to behave. And if you do not act like you are supposed to, we're not going to do life with you straight up. I don't care who you are because you, you, my, my job now is these babies. Like I have four kids that I am trying to raise. And if I am teaching them to love and respect themselves and to have love and respect for other people, and then I allow you into my house as like an aunt and you're spewing venom and talking crap and being mean and whatever, what in the world is that teaching these kids? Yeah. And so I am really passionate about this idea. Like if someone can't behave in the way that they're supposed to, you do not have to interact with them. You Boundary, don't. Yeah. Boundaries, in a weird way, like the further you are away from leaving your family of origin, the easier it becomes to be really comfortable creating boundaries, defining what is on that list of acceptable versus unacceptable, and then like being kind of unrelenting about, hey, if you violate these things, I'm sorry. Like that's just like a, yeah. a total like game ender for us. And I've had two. So I've had two scenarios. One where we just stopped interacting with family members because it was like this is not we're not going to behave like this. And then I've had other circumstances where family members were acting in a way that made me very uncomfortable that I didn't want around my kids, and I had to have a hard conversation with a family member that said. I love you so much. I want you to be a part of my life. I want you to be a part of my children's lives. But 
you cannot act this way in our home yeah or you can't come to our home yeah and it was, I, it was a really hard conversation it took me months to like build up to that place and it ended up being incredible because the person was very received it really they well it. they yeah. could hear it and they were like oh hey yeah I, I totally understand this is your home like we're not you know uh, and I'll just give you the scenario there was a family member that was um, drinking. So they would come to family parties. They would come to our house and they would just get roaring drunk Blitzed. and like scare the kids and, you know, it kind of embarrass us. And so had to have that conversation and they received it so well and have never drank in our house again. Yeah. Ever. Um, because they were really respectful of like, yeah, this is your family and I, w- I want to be a part of it. So for what that's worth, we don't mess with jerks. Um, <laughs> so you have to ask yourself what what is there, but really be mindful. Like you are, you don't have to interact with anybody. Yeah. I mean, I think too, uh, and we can transition to the fourth one, but like there are some friends that you have in your life that are there because of time served. Yeah. And they do not serve your best self. Yeah. And you're like, well, I've been friends, you know, they were in the wedding. Like I've been friends with them since middle school. I mean, there, the, the way that you continue to grow and redefine what you aspire for in the world has to keep up with the friends that you are investing the most time with. Because if they're disconnected, you might take two steps forward, but man, they'll find a way to make a one or two steps back kind of thing happen every once in a while just so they can keep you closer to the mediocre version of who they are and what they you know don't aspire for. So, So the last kind of health sabotaging person we called the anchor the anchor this i mean obviously this is a relationship podcast so this the you know there are um partners in a romantic relationship that weigh down the relationship i also think the anchor can be those friends from childhood those you know friends from your first job out of college or whatever who are anchoring you to the person you used to be and you know it's a million times everyone's heard this quote, but like you are the combination of the five people you spend the most time with. Who do you as a couple spend the most time with? Because those that's going to anchor you. You can have someone who's anchoring you to the floor, who's anchoring you to bad behavior, who's ang- you can have someone who's anchoring you to the truth, who's anchoring you, you know, to the ceiling. So it's kind of pulling you up in the right direction. But in this instance, we're specifically talking about the kind of person who's pulling you down. Yeah. I I think this even goes beyond people. Like, I think that there can be an anchor in the kind of media that you're consuming. The way that your, like, notion of body image is informed by the things that run through your social media feed can be an absolute anchor in you believing that that kind of life is not possible for you because it feels so unattainable relative to where you're starting from. That's a good point. Like, I was, I was really thinking this in terms of a person but I think being mindful of what you consume. When I went on, when I really started to change my health, this you guys are going to laugh or you're going to roll your eyes, but this is the absolute truth. I had to f- stop following every social media um, feed, every social media person who was food. And I, I was a food blogger. So yeah. I have friends that I do not follow on Instagram. I swear to you, because they're some of the most talented bakers in the world. They they love to make like potato nachos and with chili <laughs> cheese fries and all of these things. And every time I'd scroll through my feed on Instagram, 
I'd get hungry, yeah. and I'm using air quotes, not really hungry, but I'd think I was hungry. I'd go to the kitchen. I'd blow everything, and I had to. We talk a lot in, in coaching. You know, We do our monthly coaching. I talk a lot about this idea of triggers, being aware of what your triggers were. And for me, that was a trigger for my health. When I would see food, either on Pinterest or on Instagram or whatever, it would make me feel hungry, and I end up blowing all the, you know, whatever. So I had to remove it from my feed. Because if I don't see it, if my feed's filled with, you know, beautiful quotes, motivational things, um, you know, people like who inspire me with their fitness, people who inspire me with their faith, my favorite authors, like I'm just filling my heart and the rock. I mean, obviously, (laughs) Um, but I'm just like filling my heart with with things that inspire me and keep me anchored to who I want to be instead of anchoring me to who I was. 100%. Here's the thing, guys. Uh, You know, we said we've got that great episode of the podcast where we talk about our own health journey and why we believe in this so much, why we're so passionate about it, how we made change that was lasting. But I think always you can't get to where you're going if you don't know where you are. Oh, yeah. And part of knowing where you are with your health journey is knowing what might throw you off. So... Best case scenario, you and your partner, you know, the Bible says um, your two oxen can't be unevenly yoked, meaning um, the yoke that goes over their necks, like if there's a little baby oxen and a big muscular oxen, then the yoke over the back of their necks, is, it's it's uneven. They can't pull the plow. They can't do what they're needed to do because they're not on the same level. And when it comes to health... You can absolutely stand firm, stand tall, become who you're meant to be in your own health journey alone. But if you are in partnership, the thing that changes everything is when you're in it together. For sure. We want we want you to be mindful of this idea. What's going to throw you off are maybe those people in your life who, for whatever reason, might try and keep you from changing. But the real key... The answer that the like what's the magic bullet in this is you and your partner being on the same page when it comes to health. And that starts with a real conversation about what that journey would look like for the two of you together.